Praise God. You guys can sit down. What an honor it is to see so many brides out there. To see those who love him above all things, that's a sight to see. And you're all gathered in one place. Praise God. Well, I just feel a little bit of joy bubbling up in my, in my stomach. Anybody else feel a little bit of joy? <laughs> Praise God for the joy of the Holy Ghost, who is not dependent on circumstances or situations. Praise God. I've come today to pluck the 10 strings of your being. I want to talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about Jesus only. I've come to speak to ministers and mothers, sons, daughters, and brothers of him who is higher than all others. Today, I cry out. I cry out from my innermost being to you precious ones. And I say, as earth goes, Christ comes. Soon the night like noon, our hearts will swoon at the coming of the bridegroom. High, he shall split the sky. And with him in sight, we will worship him in white. Praise God. Come, Lord Jesus. You see, to say, come, Lord Jesus, is to express that to be with him is greater than anything that can be experienced on this planet. That's what come Lord Jesus means. It means you are superior to all the things that are here. This is important that it's inside of our blood that we might be dead to the world and all its toys, its idle pomp and fading joys. And that we would with all of our hearts lay in dust life's glory dead in the face of Jesus Christ who returns for us. I pray the Lord would put a fresh Maranatha in our blood and that with each day that passes and each moment that we live, our hearts will pump through our being. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And it will detach us from the lower things and take us up to live with him even now in a simultaneous dwelling seated with him in heavenly places and yet walking here upon the planet. Praise God. You know, the only way to have confidence on that day when he splits the sky is if he's splitting the sky in your heart every day. I, I want to show you a scripture in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. It says this, it says, the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God has illumined it. Its lamp is the lamb. In the world to come, the means by which we will see is the illuminated lamb of God. That is incredible to me. Not only will we see him, but by him we will see. That's the world to come. And I just want to encourage you that 
here even now. By keeping the lamb in sight by him, we will see everything through that side of him. After all, we're called the wife of the lamb with the lamb in view. So many of us have joys that are jolted in peace that is periodic. But if you live in the light of the lamb, he shall be joy and peace perpetual and unending. It's living in the lamb light that I look to you today and say, this is my greatest desire. And I reach out to you to join our desires together. And we will say, yes, Lord, living in the light of the lamb is the way that I want to live every moment of my life. Because it's the greatest life there is. Listen to me. If the sun doesn't shine, all the candles in the world will make it day. But that's man's problem. He keeps lighting candles looking for the light of the sun. We light a candle looking to our friends to be our joy or our spouse to be our joy or our, our kids to be our joy or success or money or gratification to be our joy. But these things are inferior joys and can be snuffed out with the slightest movement. But Jesus is consistent joy while this earth is inconsistent joy. See, the joys of the earth are like the earth. They're earthy. But the joys that Christ is are like himself, heavenly. To find all our satisfaction and peace in Jesus is holiness itself. Praise God it's this way. I can't grip a cross hard enough or grit my teeth hard enough to obey black and white. I need a satisfaction deep down in the center of my soul that only Christ can give. How many of you are with me? I know you are. Like I said, I've come just to pluck the strings of your heart. These things are all inferior joys to Christ. He who is from above is above all, and so is everything about him. Above all that can be experienced, he's superior to it all. In the phrase, Lamb of God, who is the shining light, we have the merge of two things, who he is and what he has done. This is the perfect symmetry of God's beauty, who he is and what he has done. It is the essence of being attracted to him when we say things like, oh, Jesus is so beautiful, or the irresistible beauty of Jesus Christ. What do we mean? We mean that there is none higher and there is none lower. In other words, higher than him, we cannot rise, and deeper than him, we cannot plunge. This is the beauty of Jesus Christ. He's not only the Lamb of God, he's God the Lamb. <laughs> Praise God. This is the essence of the symmetry of his perfections, his beauty, the splendor and majesty. Yes, he's brightest extreme, but he's also a bleeding dream for you. He has this internal radiance of his own character that comes out of him like light beams. The light beams that come out of Christ are not just like some cool little trick he does. That's his character and his nature resplendent out of him. He is kind and it shoots out. He's patient. He's loving. He's justice and truth. Here's the beauty of God in Christ Jesus. And it steals our hearts away. You see, by mind and memory, we kindle love. We look in the scriptures at what he says about himself and his self-revelation. And then we look at our lives and how he's been that to us. And that's the kindling of love. And what it does is it dissolves your ability to resist him because his beauty has overtaken you.
Oh, who is this who holds the wind in his fists, sits in bliss, gives life by kisses, who himself is riches? This is the king of glory who bends his knee to feed thee. Bleeding, he freed thee, and in needing, he keeps thee. It's the highest joy to preach thee, Lord. And it's heaven on earth to seek thee. Praise God. Seeing who he is, there's only one response. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we've all read this before, about presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. And this is called our reasonable act of worship. How many remember reading this? It hit me the other day, there's a therefore at the beginning of the chapter, before he even says, present your bodies. And so it made me look to see what it's there for. And I saw, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For he has known the, who has known the mind of the Lord or become his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again. For from him, to him, and through him are all things. Therefore, offer your bodies to him. It hit me like a ton of bricks that a vision of God is re- the only proper response to a, a, a view of the beauty of God is to lay your body down. It shows me this. I can't lay my body down until I've seen his beauty. If I can't even begin to really worship the Lord until I've seen his worth. I remember reading John Piper said, to the degree our praise is without feeling, we diminish the thing that we praise. In other words, when you think of how good he is and what he's shown to us of himself, it should kindle on the inside a flame that says, there is not one like you in heaven or on the earth. You see, there isn't an item on the earth that excels the smallest item in heaven. But there isn't an item in heaven that excels the smallest measure of Jesus Christ. And when we realize his worth, the only response is the silencing of pride and the laying down of ourselves at his feet. We need a grander vision of God because it makes men bow lower. We need a grander vision of God so we can see that fear is an assault on his character. We need a grander vision of God so that we can see that worry is the seed of atheism. And we will trust our God. See, we need a grander vision of God. Did you know that the scripture tells us that all things are his servants? That he works all things after the counsel of his own will? The scripture says that his sovereignty rules over all. He who is here now walks on the winds and rides on the clouds. He makes all the grass grow and he feeds all the cows. That's crazy to me. He measures the earth. He stretched out the sky. He laid the foundations of heaven on high. We need a grander vision of God. God tells Job that he shuts the sea up with doors and boundaries that it cannot pass. He says to Job that he lifts the sun in the morning and he lights the moon at night. He paints the clouds with his fingers and he strolls the recesses of the ocean. He says to Job, I made the gates of death and I alone can see inside of their darkness. We need a grander vision of our God. 
He puts the snow inside of storage and he collects hail for a time to release. He's called the father of rain, dew, and sleet. Could it be that every raindrop hits its appointed target and he makes lightning for the rain and sends the bolts wherever he wishes? Could it be that he is this grand? This is what he's trying to tell Job. You've forgotten me. He tells Job, I tend to gardens that men will never see. He tells Job, I can tighten or loosen the constellations as I please. Praise God. And then he says, next to tightening and loosening the constellations, he says, and then I guide the bear and her cubs. <laughs> he says, he hunts prey through the lion and he tells the lion to wait in the thicket. What is this? This is a God who is sovereign over all things, praise God. And all the while he puts wisdom in men's minds and understanding and their hearts and a numberless multitude surround him, worshiping night and day, praise God. Oh, he flung the stars, those heavenly flames, he counts their numbers, he knows their names, he gives flight to the eagle, he tightens the clam, he puts your tears in a bottle and he writes your name on his hand. Who is this king of glory who cares so much for you and loves you so deeply and is in control of all things? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. You see, if that doesn't win your heart and cause you to lay your body down in front of him and say, I'm yours completely forever. This is my reasonable act of worship. I will lay my life down at your feet. If that's not enough, then let's go to this other extreme and see how low he went. I see the God man. Can you see the God man hanging there with his bloody matted hair, sinners passing without a care? The Pharisees in satisfaction stare. He shivers, his palms tear. Naked, he drips blood there, suffocating, suffocating between the pair. I'm increasingly aware of the fairest love beyond compare. I wonder if we had a vision of the cross of Jesus Christ, if our hearts would not be stolen away and he would run away to heaven with them. He gave himself for our sins that he might redeem us from this present evil age. Even as the old hymn says, here it is I find my heaven while upon the cross I gaze. See, a twisted crown of thorns, too small in size, was pressed into his brow and blood flowed in his eyes, blinding him to all but the prize. This is humility personified, the blood of God, not realized, and though men love things that are deified, not a God that's crucified, but that's our God. He comes and he dies. Oh, precious blood of him who loved me so. His hands are nailed, his head hangs low, his body is broken, his back is slashed open the splintering cross is soaked in blood oh what love and a love of me I see his glory as he walks upon the sea but never such glory as when he's his feet are fastened to the tree the breath of life breathes out his ghost a dismayed angelic host with a naked God upon the post oh he's mostly red come down they said man's faith is dead but God bled God bled God bled for sin to bring Adam back in praise God I wonder if it's just a looking at Jesus issue. Everything that we go in, that we come in contact with. Because when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Amazing love, how can this be that thou, my God, would die for me? To me, this shakes my bones and makes me 
feel what's actually going on, that I don't just live because of the gospel, I live by the gospel, that it's the life supply to me, who he is and what he has done. I guess I've come to remind you that the shining lamb lamp is casting its rays out and I encourage you to come with me and let's live inside of them. Even now, my exhortation to you is this, I'm borrowing the words from Samuel Rutherford, never look below God. Keep your eyes fixed upon him and his magnificent character and nature revealed to you most explicitly on the tree. My exhortation to you is to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <laughs> to behold the Lamb of God consistently and continually that you may live because he is an illumination without shadow and a flame without smoke. There's a story of a little boy who's trying to get away from his shadow and everything that he does, he's sweating and turning and twisting and shaking, trying to get away from his shadow. He realizes he cannot do it. His dad sees what he's trying to do, grabs him by his shoulders and turns him to face the sun. And in that moment, the boy realized the shadow is gone. And I want to encourage you that maybe you've been struggling with lust, pride, unbelief, all kinds of depressions or oppressions, frustrations of all kinds, and you're trying your best to get away from them, and all your sweating and turning and twisting is not getting it done. I want to turn you to face the Son of God. Because what will happen is that he will cast the shadow of your doubt, your fear, your depression, your sorrow, your pain, your sin, your bondage, and your confusion behind you. This is what he does. You see, he has made the most important thing easiest. You say, how do I make the lamb lamp the center of my life? And the light in which I live, well, first of all, you have to realize that the essential Christian mes message is not behave, but behold. You have to realize that everything depends upon Christ occupying the chief place in your affection and your attention. You have to realize that until you've recognized him, you've done nothing. We have to realize that in realizing him, we can actually snuggle and not struggle. You can nestle and not wrestle in Christ, praise God. You see, a dead Christ, Andrew Murray said, I must do everything for, but a living Christ does everything for me, praise God. That's the gospel, my friends. See, in the Lamb Lamp, we have joy and peace and bliss above all our circumstances, an enjoyment that ends striving. What am I saying? The only way for us to live down here as they do up there is to do down here what they do up there. And they stare at the lamb. They follow him whithersoever he goeth. He is the means by which they see. So I say to you that he has made the most essential thing easiest for you. He says, look to me and be saved. Keep looking at me and live in salvation. He matures our faith by looking at him we're transformed into his image by looking at him. And looking is so simple. It's not fighting or striving, it's just look. A man doesn't need to go to college to look. A man doesn't need to be wealthy to look. Oh, an invalid can look and an infant can look. He's made the most essential thing easiest for you. And it's not look to yourself, there's no use in looking there. It's not look to a minister, it's not look to a friend, it's not look to money, it's not look to a government. It's Jesus saying, look at me, I bleed for you. Look at me, I'm a curse for you. Look at me, I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. 
so we look to Jesus and we live. And I say to you even now, and I say to God even now, oh Lord, we're the sick ones and you are our physician. We're the thirsty ones and you are our drink. We're hungry, Lord. You are our bread. We are dead, Lord. You alone are life. We are nothing, Lord, and you alone are all. I pray, God, lift your mind above the things that are below and take you up into the life of adoration where the lamb lamp lights your way and his beautiful face steals all your attention. It's important, this value of Jesus. Because without it, even Judas, who casts out devils and hears all Christ's teachings and it walks by his side and knows his presence, he didn't value Jesus over himself because when a couple of pieces of silver come, he turns in Christ for his own gain. It's the value of Jesus that puts him where he belongs. If you could stand up with me, that'd be awesome. Let's just take this last five minutes and just, just turn your heart toward the Lord. Let us by mind and memory kindle love and affection. Remember what he's done for you. Remember you were sick. Remember when he healed you? Remember when he healed your daughter? Remember when he healed your dad or your mom? Remember when he came through for you when you didn't think anybody was even knowing what's going on? Remember how he's forgiven you over and over and over. His patience is embarrassing. I wonder if you'll lift your hands with me and let's just worship Jesus. Let's open your mouth because he's worthy, he's worth it. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You're worthy, you're worthy. City, you're worthy, you're worthy, Lord. Worthy is the Sing it out. Oh, hi, hi. Yes, you are. Jesus. Jesus, son of God. The darling of heaven. The darling of heaven. Crucified. Say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. I can lift your voice. He can hear you. See it on the throne. Crown him now. You reign. Darling of heaven, darling 
Darling. 